Well, it's good to see you this morning, and, and I know that we're still at the um, front end of a year uh, that, that's going to be a good year. It's going to be a stretching year in a good way, and I, I believe that uh, we're doing whatever God has put in front of us to make room for what God is doing. So if you were here last week, we talked a bit about some of the things that God had been saying to us. You know, we, had, we have had some, some tech difficulties, and uh, both services' audio were lost. Can you believe that? Not great. Not great. So you better be paying attention. A lot of times we, 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 we say, well, you know, maybe I'll just go check it out. I do want you to go check out the audio, um, but it's not there from last week. So what we're going to do is uh, we'll figure out a way to get, get, get you some of that so that you have it. We'll put something online so that what the Lord said to us, if we have to re-preach it, re-record it, we'll get it done. Uh, but I just want to pick up where we left off. And if you were here last week, you know some of the things that the Lord said to us. There's a couple of things really strong on this congregation that we need to receive from God and recognize that God is always preparing you for what's ahead. The Bible says in the book of Amos, God does nothing without first revealing it through the mouths of his prophets. He doesn't start something without preparing you for something. That doesn't mean you know everything that's coming. That doesn't mean he gives you every detail. If he gave me every detail about what he was going to do in my life, I'd mess it up. Right? I mean, if, if the Lord told you, well, this is your destination. In 20 years, there's where, exactly where you're going to be. Your likely plan would be, how fast can I get there? What's the shortcut? Can I get there as the crow flies? Instead of just saying, what's the next thing you want me to do, Lord? So he gives you glimpses of 20 years, right? Sometimes. For those of you that God trusts with that information, he'll give you a glimpse. He'll say, this is, I just want you to see something. But he won't give you all the details yet. And my problem is I tend to grab the paintbrush out of God's hand and say, well, I know this picture. I've seen it before. Let me finish this for you. Then I'm disappointed at God when it didn't turn out like I painted it. What we're learning is how to let God paint the picture. Let, let God paint the picture. Let God uh, uh, it, unveil it. Let God reveal it and seek the Lord. This is one of the things that I think I've uh, at times in my life missed. Is I waited on God to force knowledge on me. Or, or to just smack me in the face with something. Now, he is so merciful and gracious that sometimes he'll do that. But the Bible tells us if you seek, Jesus said, seek and you'll find. Right. Knock and the door will be open. Ask and you'll receive. If you study the Greek in those, in those statements that the New Testament was written in, they're continuous verbs. Yeah. So it's not just ask once, it's ask. Right. Keep asking. It doesn't mean you're asking for the same thing over and over again. No, but you have a lifestyle of saying, if I have need, I come to my Father. Seek, keep seeking, and you'll keep finding. Knock, keep knocking. The door will continue to be open to you. So he's, he's telling you here that I'm not, I'm not just going to come kick down your door like, like the Holy Spirit SWAT team. You know, Jesus went to villages and said, here's what I'm here to do, Right? We see a picture of that in Luke chapter 4. He goes to his hometown. He reads from Isaiah. He says, the spirit of the Lord has anointed me. And he lists all the things that he's been anointed to do. He says, this has been fulfilled in your hearing. They got mad at some of the things he said. But then it says, and he went from every village proclaiming the kingdom, preaching this message. And everywhere he went, they brought. So he said, I've come to open the eyes of the blind. So they kept bringing their blind people. He said, I've come to proclaim release to the captives. I've come to, 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 to take prisoners out of prison. So they brought their people that were oppressed by evil spirits. 
Because Jesus said, here's what I'm here to do, but he didn't go kick down their door to do it. He came to them. He brought the kingdom to them, said the kingdom is here, but now you've got to do something about it. He said all that came to him were healed. That's what the scripture says. It says everyone that came to him was healed. Remember the woman with the issue of blood heard about Jesus. She heard about Jesus and she got out of her house even though what she was about to do was illegal. Because she, according to Jewish law, she was unclean. She left her house, put herself in jeopardy because she heard that Jesus was a healer. And she said, if Jesus is a healer, I'm going to go to him. Faith is not our idea. Having faith in God is not you coming up with an idea and saying, God, if I believe enough, you'll do this. Faith is a response to what God has said. Faith is saying, I believe what you say. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust you for that. I'm going to trust you in this area. I'm going to ask and receive. I am going to go. You said come, so I'll go. So today, as, as we look ahead into 2023, I can't see everything. My goodness, I don't know what's going to happen next week. But the Lord prepares us for things. And he prepares your hearts. And one of the things that, that, that we focused on last week, and we're going to pick up again this week, is that we're in a season, we're walking into a season even further, where what's real will stand. And what's not real or what's done in the flesh, what's done by ourselves, what's, what's fake and what's real, the line is going to be clearer. The house built on the sand, we're coming into a season where I think there's going to be some storms that are going to knock some houses down. But Jesus said, if you dig down deep, if you dig down to a foundation that's worth building on, you'll build that house. And all the winds and all the rain and all the storms that, the, that can be thrown at that house, it doesn't matter what will be thrown at it at the end of the day, it will stand. I want to pick up from 1 Corinthians 3. We read it last week. We'll read it again. Or I think we quoted from it. I don't know if we actually turned to it last week. In 1 Corinthians 3, 1 Corinthians 2 starts out gloriously. 1 Corinthians 2 tells us that, we just saying it, eye has not seen, ear has not heard. It's never even entered into your heart or any human heart the things God has prepared for those that love him. You couldn't dream up what God has planned says that. Now, often we stop at that verse and go, well, that's the end of the story. We can never know what God has planned, but that's not how the passage ends, right? You should read the whole thing. Don't cherry pick. Read. What does it say after that? It says, but who could know? Who knows the heart of a man except the spirit of a man? Who knows your heart except your spirit? He says, even so, who knows the heart of God except the spirit of God? The Holy Spirit, which searches even the depths of God. I'm talking about the deepest places in God. He says, the Spirit of God knows these things. Then he says, we have not received the Spirit which is from the world, but we've received the Spirit which is from God. He said, there's no way you could dream up my will for your life. There's no way you could imagine my plan for you. You don't have the capacity to, to, to even let it enter your heart or your mind. He says, the only one that knows what's in my heart is my spirit. Then he says, and that's the spirit I gave to you. He says, 
That's the spirit we've received, the spirit which is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. He goes on and he says, and these are the things we preach, and these are the things we share. He says, using spiritual thoughts and spiritual words, speaking to spiritual people. He says, because there's wisdom for mature people. He says, I I came to you and I came pretty simple. Because I didn't want your faith to rest in the wisdom of men. I didn't, I didn't want you to think that Paul was this amazing speaker and that's why this, this, this movement is going off. I didn't want you to think that because I was so wise, he said, that, that somehow that's where the power was. He said, I, I wanted your faith to rest in the power of God. But he says, but there is wisdom for the mature. So he's talking about these great things that God wants to reveal to us. Things we have never even imagined God wants to reveal to us. But then he says, and he says the only way he's going to reveal it is by spiritual thoughts, spiritual words to spiritual people. The original Greek just says speaking spirituals to spirituals. Do you know what I'm saying? Like spiritual things to spiritual people. And he's already said the, spirit, the things of God are foolishness to everybody else. They're so crazy. When Jesus said, if, I, if I'm going to rule, if, I'm gonna, if my kingdom's going to come, I'm going to have to suffer and die. That was foolishness to people. How in the world are you going to build a kingdom if you're going to let them kill you? How in the world are you going to build a kingdom if, you, if you're born in a small town like Bethlehem? How in the world is a king going to come from that? It was foolishness to them. He says that's what the cross is. It's foolishness. But to us that are being saved, it's the power of God. So 1 Corinthians 2, I was only meaning to mention it briefly, but we kind of talked about the whole thing. 1 Corinthians 2 sets you up like God wants to reveal great things to us. And we're on the edges of our seat like, what are you going to say? And he goes, but I can't talk to you about that stuff. Oh, (laughs) can you imagine the greatest trailer in cinematic history? And he's like, but this movie will never be in theaters. Oh, Let me tell you, God's got some amazing things this morning. God wants to speak some amazing things. God's got things for you, but but I'm not going to talk to you about them. Can you imagine? And Paul Paul sets him up. He says, God's got these great things to say, and it's going to take some depth. It's going to take some maturity. There's wisdom for the mature, but I can't talk to you like that because you're a bunch of babies. If you read the, the letter to the Corinthians, they're walking in spiritual gifts. They got, the Bible says they were not lacking. Paul wrote to them, you're not lacking in any gift. They had every gift of the Spirit working. They had good doctrine. I mean, this is a church we'd all like to be a part of. The preaching's good. The, 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 there's, there's, there's stuff happening. It seems like the power of God's present. But then he says, but you're a bunch of babies. And the reason you're babies is not because you don't know enough. It's not because, you know, uh, you haven't learned enough information. He said, the reason you're acting like babies, and the way I know you're being a bunch of babies, is because you have a bunch of divisions. He says, you're a bunch of factions, and, and you're saying this group, we're of Cephas, we're the, we're the Jewish party, and we're, we're of this guy. We're, this, this, this group of college kids, they're the Apollos bunch, right? Because like, he's really smart, and he, we like his style. This group says, well, we like Paul. Paul says, did Peter die for you? Did Paul die for you? Did Apollos die for you? He says, 
I'm thanking God I only baptized a couple of you so that you don't get to claim me as your Savior. They had a bunch of factions, divisions, denominations in their church that they were letting get between them and what God was doing. So he said, you're acting like babies. And he goes and he says, don't you know that you're the temple of the Holy Spirit, you're temple of God, and the Holy Spirit dwells in you. Now, I know when we quote that verse, a lot of times we're quoting from the other place he says it in 1 Corinthians. He says that phrase twice, but it's a little different. Because you've heard people say, I don't eat that stuff, my body's a temple, right? I don't put that in my body, that plastic stuff, my body's a temple. Right? And depending who you are and what diet plan you subscribe to, your temple needs special stuff. Right? My body's a basilica. Right? Your body might be a temple. My body's a basilica, a cathedral, if I'm telling you the truth. Right? That's, so, you, you know, some of us pay a little bit more attention to our bodies than others. Right? I, some of us have, have neglected our temple a little bit over the holidays, especially. So we quote that. Don't you know your body's a temple of the Holy Spirit? but when we're talking about our physical body being the temple of the Holy Spirit, that's true. He talks about that later in the book. But that's not what he's talking about here. And the problem is, is that we don't have a good good plural for you in English. Right? In French, you've got vous. Down in the south where my grandparents are from, they got y'all. You make fun of it all you want, but it works. Right? It instantly diffuses what could be an awkward situation. When you want to tell a couple, I love you, you don't want anybody getting the wrong idea. I love y'all is the best thing. Right? You're talking to somebody's wife. We just love y'all. They know I'm not hitting on you. I love you guys, which I guess is our Canadian way of saying it, right? You guys. So imagine Canadian Paul says, don't you guys know? Don't you guys know that we're the temple of the Holy Spirit? Right? Because later in the book, it's singular. Don't you know that your body, your physical body, this is why I glorify God with my body. This is why I don't give it, I don't give it over to sexual immorality. This is why I don't, I don't do what I want and say I'll put on what I want. He says, your body belongs to God. God died for it. Jesus died for it. And the Holy Spirit lives in your body. Don't you realize the treasure that's been placed in this earthen vessel? But in 1 Corinthians 3, he's not talking about you. He's talking about us. And he says, don't you all know that you all are the temple of the Holy Spirit? So he's talking about the church, the body of believers. We're a church, don't you realize this morning, the Holy Spirit has chosen to dwell in us. And he hasn't chosen to dwell in us because we did all the right things. Hasn't chosen to dwell in us because we're the prettiest building he's ever found. He's chosen to dwell in us because this is the church, not just the word church. We're talking about Big C Church, the church of Jesus Christ, of which there are gatherings all over the city, of which there are gatherings all over the country, of which there are gatherings all over the world. The the church of Jesus Christ is his body, the fullness of him who fills all and is in all. So he chooses to fill his body with his spirit. What happens if your spirit leaves your body? What happens? You die. Right? Your body's a shell. If, you're, if you don't have a spirit, like if your spirit's gone, you're dead. If the Holy Spirit leaves the church, church is dead. 
There's nothing left. So he says, don't you know the spirit of the Lord lives in this place, so it's holy. It seems anything but holy sometimes, doesn't it? Doesn't this little gathering seem anything but holy? Because we're, we're, we're a bunch of people that came from different places, thrown into the same building, thrown into the same congregation, getting together, working together. And sometimes we um, come into a new church or we come into a church we haven't been to in a while and we just go, these are all really nice people because when it came time to greet, they shook my hand, they smiled at me, they were, they were friendly. And then you get to know people and you love them and you, you, give, you open your life to them. And sooner or later, we accidentally hurt each other, or maybe we purposely do. Maybe our selfishness gets in the way of what God is doing. And it, all of a sudden, the, the shine wears off because we get to know each other. And we realize we're still not perfect. Sometimes we say, I don't feel that this is holy anymore. I feel that it's difficult for me to be in a group of a bunch of people who come from different backgrounds and are called to walk in the same direction. Sometimes that's difficult. But God says, it's holy because I live here. Yes. It's holy because I'm washing you by the water of the word. It's holy because someday Jesus is going to present his bride and say she's spotless. And if you think you can do enough to make yourself without wrinkle or spot, you have no concept of the holiness of God. On your own strength, if you can just remove all the spots and blemishes out of your life, by yourself, we're surely short-selling the holiness of God. So that's how he sets us up in 1 Corinthians 3. Then he says, like a wise master builder, I've laid a foundation. Others are building on it. I want you to pick up here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Now, we kind of skipped, we read what came before this and what came behind it, but I'm going to read this to you in verse 10. According to the grace of God, which was given to me like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation and others building on it, but each man must be careful how he builds on it. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. If any man builds on the foundation with gold, with silver, with precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident. For the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire. And the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he's built on it remains, he'll receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Now, there's something to be said about our God being a consuming fire, about the day of judgment when everything's made apparent. But I don't think that Paul's just talking about on judgment day there's going to be a fire and we'll see if it stands. I think he's saying that, that there is there every, at every point in somebody's life, your work, your life is going to be tested. What we built is going to be tested. Jesus said it. He talked about, he talked about the fire that was coming. And there's times where he talks about fire and it's a good thing. I'm going to baptize you through the Holy Spirit and with fire. That's a good thing, right? But there's other times he says, this is going to be a tough time. Some things are going to hit. Jesus talked about fire. He talked about storms. Storms hitting things a lot. He talks about that a lot. 
And not because he, he's just a doomsday preacher. But Jesus talks about it because he wants you to know that, yeah, my, boat, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. But you're still in a world that's broken. And I've prepared you. And he kept telling his disciples, I've prepared you. I'm with you to the end of the age. I'm sending a spirit to help you. I, I, I'm going to be with you. So he's telling them they're well equipped for whatever comes. Remember, he said, if you build your house on the rock, all the storms in the world can't knock it down. If your roots go down deep, if you, if you don't, don't have a bunch of shallow soil in your life, if your hearts aren't shallow, if they go deep, if you remove the thorns, what's going to happen? You're going to have a root system. So when affliction or persecution arises because of the word. So he says, because of what I'm preaching to you, something's going to happen. He says, the enemy comes immediately to steal the word from your life. You're going to be attacked in the very area God is speaking. And he says, but when that happens, if your roots go down deep, not all, all the affliction in the world, all the persecution, all the trouble the world's got to throw at you will not uproot you or cause you to cease bearing fruit. Jeremiah 17 says, blessed is the person whose trust is in the Lord. Cursed is the person whose trust is in their own flesh. It says, because they'll be like a dry bush in the desert said they won't even see when prosperity comes. But blessed is the man, blessed is that person whose trust is in the Lord, who puts no confidence in flesh, but who puts all their confidence in God. For they will be like a tree planted by the stream, whose roots extend to a stream. And even when the heat comes, even when the drought comes, they will not wither nor cease bearing fruit. So here's the word for me. Here's the word for you. There's nothing that can come your way that can uproot you. There's nothing that can come your way which can destroy what God is building. Amen. Yes, the thief comes to steal. Yes, he comes to kill. Yes, he comes to destroy. But that life that Jesus has given you, the real life, it stands. So here's the, here's the deal, though. Each man's work will be tested. And you're going to find out what you built with. How many of you know we can build really fast and really big? with cheap materials. You build something big, you build something fast, you can build something flashy with cheap materials, you can build your own little Vegas. Oh, they have the Eiffel Tower here? Cool. It's not real. It's all a facade. It's all fake. Do you remember Fantasyland in West Ed? Remember they changed it to Galaxyland and it lost all its wonder? When I was a kid, when I was a kid, I called Edmonton the Balls. Now, let me explain this. <laughs> so everybody just kind of stopped, like, what? <laughs> because all I cared about was the ball pit at Fantasyland. That play area. You know why? It wasn't just the balls. It was the mountains. I got to hike in the mountains inside a building. And they had a mountain. They had, like, they, it, you walked in there and you felt like there's hot air balloons. There's mountains, like... I'm exploring the world. Now it's like there's an alien. There's a funky-looking alien. Now, now it's like board games, right? Yeah, it's like Hasbro land. Okay, it's fine. We all prefer our childhood, right? Kids now probably look back and say that was lame. But for me, it was pretty cool. I felt like I was exploring all these places. But you know what? I remember, you know, like <laughs> going and climbing that little mountain that they had. And I remember like smacking the rock, like, man, this is a good rock. And you realize just for that moment, 
this is hollow inside. This is like plastic. I've been ripped off, you know? I don't know what I imagined that, that West Edmonton Mall like hauled real granite like all the way and, and placed it in. Like they, they, they ch carved chunks out of the Rockies and stuck it in this amusement park. But my illusion was shattered. This is all fake. I remember when we go to those old West towns, you know? The, the gunfight would break out in the street. Like this is a fake thing, you know, fake. And that one time that you just wander a little too far and you see that you're only, there's only fronts of buildings. Like behind, it's nothing. Walt Disney had to create tunnels under his Disneyland park because he said it really, really messes up the illusion when a cowboy is walking through future land, you know? <laughs> Sipping a milkshake, eating a cheeseburger. Like it ruins the whole thing. So they built underground tunnels, and especially when they went to Florida, they built the whole thing way up so that you could have all these underground tunnels so that spaceman can just go straight to spaceland, and you don't wreck the illusion. It's all the world's God is illusion. Yeah. Yeah. Illusion is fine until storms come. It's not really fine, but you know what? It passes. There's a whole bunch of things you can pass inspection when nobody's really inspecting. But the day comes when your work's going to be found, whether it's up to code or it's not. Did you build with something precious? Now, I know that primarily here he's talking about apostles building. But in your life, every person, your life's work is going to be tested. This year, you're going to be tested. Now, here's the good news. What he builds is stormproof. What we build is fragile. Yeah. And here he tells us, if you build with gold, silver, precious stones, and when he talks about precious stones, he's not talking about like rubies and emeralds. He's talking about like good stuff, like marble, like some of these heat-tested, strong, it's going to last through time. You know, we've been in Greece where, I mean, come on, I, I grew up in Saskatchewan, Alberta. This is where I grew up. The oldest thing around here is like 112 years old, Right? But you go to Greece, it's stuff has stood for thousands of years. It's still usable. You can still sit in the amphitheater. You can stand in that one spot where the speaker stands, drop a penny, and they can hear it all the way around. It's still there because they built with something precious. And I go out in my driveway, and it's cracking, and I go... Brent sent me an article about Roman roads and how they've lasted all these thousands of years. And our road, like every year, we have to fill it in again. Well, I know that the weather doesn't help, but there are shortcuts. And he says, but if you build with these precious stones, it's going to last. But if you build cheaply or on the wrong foundation, fire will test it. And what I want to say to you today Because we've, we, we all kind of understand that, all right, so it's important what I build with. But I want to read something to you from Galatians that's going to kind of round this out a bit because I think this is where we're at. In Galatians chapter 3, it starts off with a bang. It starts out with, you foolish Galatians. 
This is why you don't get invited back, Paul. <laughs> you foolish Galatians. Who has bewitched you? Who's, who tricked you? Who seduced you? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing, by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? So then, does he who provides you with the Spirit works miracles among you? Does he do it by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Let's stop there. Look, look what he says. Having begun by the Spirit, are you now trying to finish it by the flesh? This is why I'm bringing this up is because this is something I found in my own life. When you ask me, what are you building with? I almost always, if I look back in, in my life, I look back at the things God's done, it was almost never anything I couldn't have imagined. It was something that often I would resist and say, Lord, I, I can't believe I could do that. But the Lord did it. And by his grace, he puts you in a place where you're walking in things you never imagined you could walk in. The problem is, when you start out, you're not good at it, so you just say, God, I need you. But when you keep doing it, you, think, you start to think you're getting good, right? I remember when I started to play um, on the praise and worship team, and I started on the bass, and, and my first few times on the bass, it was like, it, it was like being on a roller coaster where there was no seatbelt, and you had to hang on. Like, you felt like, <laughs> and people were like, why aren't you happy during praise and worship? Like, I'm, I'm hanging on for my life. <laughs> I'm praying. I'm like praying, Lord, help me, Jesus, Lord, I'll do anything. God, I, I, whatever you need, Lord, uh, please help me. And then those first times you get up to preach, and I remember the terror that I feel the night before. Lord, I don't have anything. Lord, I don't have anything. But then you start to get a little bit better. You get more comfortable. Well, what's supposed to happen is you're supposed to be growing in confidence in God, yeah. right? You're supposed to be learning. Wait a minute. If I fall, he catches me. I'm able to walk by his grace. He can do this. Uh, every time I preach, every time I play, every time I, whatever you're doing, uh, you're learning, okay, God can do this. God can do this. But there's a little voice in your head that says, I'm getting pretty good at this. I was a teenager when I started playing. So you know the things that come in a teenager's mind. Your friends are here. It's cool playing the bass. Uh, you know, I don't know if it is cool playing the bass, but I thought it was at the time. Playing an instrument, look at me. I started playing guitar, look at me. It was like the instant you started thinking that, God in his mercy would just let you, and you just hit a wrong note, like, oh. But I think that's still training wheels. Like the Lord was like saying, just watch, just let me, let me, let me show you. Take a minute and see what happens when you do this by yourself. The most dangerous thing in ministry is that we start in faith and we try to finish by the flesh. And I say in ministry, and I'm not just talking about people that are up on a stage or have a microphone. I'm talking about you. The ministry God's called you to, the work God has called to you. Each one of you, that work is going to be tested. It's going to be put to the test. 
And what's going to be of him, what started in faith, has got to finish in faith. Look what he says. He says, how did the Spirit come to you? How did you receive the Spirit? He's showing them things they couldn't have possibly done by themselves. How did you receive the Spirit? And, and you know, a lot of us, if, if somebody were to say, how do you receive the Spirit? We'd say, we've got to do this, this, and this. You've got to have this person pray for you. You've got to come up and do this. Do you know what he says? You heard by faith. How did God do miracles? Hearing by faith. I mean, there's, there's a lot of us, we forget the most important part of all the things that God is doing what, is, is that he's doing it. And, and, and we forget that the work, the first work you've got to do is just hear. Like, hear it by faith. Faith comes by hearing, the scripture says, and hearing by the word of God. Like, how does, he says, how did you receive the spirit? I, we heard something. What did you hear? You heard that, that was, this was God's will for you. And you said, okay, I want it. How does he do miracles? Now, if you asked, if you polled Christians all over the world, different denominations, different backgrounds, and you said, how does God do miracles? You'd have a group of people that say, he doesn't do those anymore. You'd have a group of people that says he does, but these are the specific ways he's got to do it. You've got other people. You'd have a whole range of answers. I think very few people would say hearing by faith. Right? What are the steps for miracles? How many people would say hearing by faith? But that's exactly what Paul said. How did God do miracles? Hearing with faith. Why? When Jesus came and said, I have come to heal. People heard and said, I believe that. So I'm coming to Jesus. When he said, I've come to set the captives free, they said, I believe that. I want that. And when you're in that place, you're saying, I'm not doing this. This is him. Paul says, it's a shame that somebody has convinced you that how you started is not how you finish. Because every Christian knows, wow, we're saved by grace. I didn't save myself. Only Jesus could save me. But at some point, a switch gets flipped in our life where we say, well, he saved me. That's how I got saved. I had nothing. But now I got to do this, 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 and this. Well, yeah, there is work. I mean, faith and work go together. But, but it's not your work. What does Philippians say? It says, work out your salvation. Not work for it, work out. There is a salvation in you that came by, the, by faith. It came through Jesus Christ, not of your own work. You couldn't do it. So he says, it's in you already. Now work it out. Live it out. And then he says, for it is God who is working in you, both to will and to do what pleases him, his good pleasure. So when he says, work it out, because it's God working in you, that gives me hope, right? Because it was, I'm reminded that there is nothing I can do. There's nothing he begins that I can finish. And so I'm like Peter, walking on the water, coming to a place where either my own fear or my own pride says, thank you, Jesus, for letting me walk on the water. Now let me finish the journey. It always ends in drowning. <laughs> but when we say, Lord, you started it. You're the author and the finisher. Everything you start, you've got to finish by faith. What God started, he finishes in you. That doesn't mean you don't work. Paul said, uh, later to the Corinthians, he said, I am the least qualified to be called an apostle, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. 
And his grace toward me was not wasted, for I worked harder than everybody else. But it wasn't me working. It was God working through me. It was the grace of God working through me. So I want you to hear today because I, I've been there. I want, you to, I want you to learn from my mistake. Learn from those that have gone before you. I know I'm younger than many of you, so you, you've taught me things as well. But I need you to learn something, that, that when you start something in faith, when you start in ministry, when you start doing something for the Lord, and you've got that passion, and you've got that excitement, because you know what? God called you, and you're like, Lord, I need your help. I couldn't do this by myself. It's a beautiful place to be in, but that little honeymoon doesn't last. At some point, you have got to say, this started in faith. It's got to finish in faith, because I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I've seen over and over and over again. We see it in the Word, and we see it in practice, is that if you try to keep going in your own strength, if you try to finish it in the flesh, if you try to finish it in your own wisdom, your own strategies, you'll burn out like this. Because God's going to bring you to a place where you could not possibly sustain yourself. He has brought you out of Egypt into a wilderness where the only way you're going to get water is if he calls it out of a rock. Where the only way you're going to get food is if it falls from heaven. Is not the time to say, we got it from here, Lord. Because the problem with a lot of buildings is that they started out being built right, and then we mixed our own materials in. You know, there's a vision that Daniel had of these um, different kingdoms. And if you watch, there's different strengths of kingdoms. And there's one kingdom he talks about that's, that's a mixed material. It's very fragile. Some would say that's where we are at right now. It's a very fragile kingdom. It's, it's, they're, they're mixed materials. It shatters because it's not built to last. When we find ourselves in this place where um, we say, Lord, I know I'm saved by grace through faith, but, but this is my part here. And this is, this is something I've, I've had to learn and, and you've had to learn is that when it comes to all the things God does, just go back and say, how did I get saved? How did I get saved? How, how, how do you walk in the things of God? Well, how did you get saved? Well, by grace, through faith. I believed. God said, Jesus did it. By grace, he gave it. And by faith, I received it, right? He didn't force salvation on you. He didn't wake up one day and go, I feel saved now. What happened, you know? He's like, magic dust. You're saved. No, Somebody had to preach the gospel. You heard it. You believed it. And you said, I received that. Okay, I want that. Lord, I'm coming to you. However that happened, you know you didn't save yourself. So everything in life, just go back to how you got saved. That's how it's supposed to happen. By grace through faith. Jesus is the one doing it. God is the one doing the work. I'm the one saying, Lord, work through me. I'm the one by faith receiving. I hear, I believe. I act. So I'm working out my salvation. That doesn't mean, I know a lot of times we say that, where we're just working out our salvation. It sounds like we're just working things out. We're figuring it out. That's not what Paul meant. I get it, but it's not what Paul meant. He meant we're living out that salvation that's within us. And then he says, because it's God working in you. And I, I, I'm, I'm looking at this going, Lord, I said this to you last week. 
when the several chapters that the Lord puts on your heart at the beginning of the year are how to build something that even when tested, how about your faith being tested and being proven to be genuine? About, about it standing through a storm, about it standing through fire. An optimist hears that and says, thank God. Somebody of faith hears that and goes, thank God. God has prepared us so that a storm can't knock it down and fire can't quench it. I mean, thank God. But when you, when you hear that in your own flesh, you go, oh, no, storms? Fire? Sometimes I'd rather have the theme park, amusement park facade and just have no storms than a solid house and have storms. But Jesus said, these storms will come. What are we building with? As a church, we've had to go back and go, what are we building with? Are we built on something strong? What's our foundation? Now, how are we building on that foundation? That's why we've had to go back and say, how are we approaching discipleship? Because we need people prepared for what God is doing. We need people prepared to stand in a world where, where there's an enemy trying to steal, kill, and destroy, and they're standing and preaching life and, and, and holding forth the word of life, as it says in Philippians, proving themselves to be children of God in the midst of a wicked and perverse generation, shining as stars. Is that the kind of people we are? Because that's what God has prepared you to be. I want you to go back sometime. I'm not going to read it today, but go back and read Philippians chapter 2, read about how it's God working in you, and then read how he says you're going to keep proving yourselves to be children of God without reproach. God's going to prove himself in 2023. He's going to prove himself in your life over and over again. The word of God's going to be proven in your life. You notice how when I say it's going to be proven, it's super positive. Everybody likes when I say it's going to be proven. I'm not a fan of when, I have to, when we say it's going to be tested, but those are the exact same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Proven's just a positive spin because I believe it's going to stand the test, yeah. right? Yeah. You can't prove something without it being tested. Right. You can't prove the bridge is strong without eventually driving over it, <laughs> putting some weight on it. I'm sure engineers could prove it without, okay, bad example. The ultimate proof is in the pudding. The ultimate proof that that chair can hold you is when you finally sit down on it. Yeah. Put some weight on it. Does our belief system, does our way of living, can it bear the weight? I believe it can if it's based on this foundation. So my encouragement to you is what we began in the spirit, we have to finish in the spirit. Amen. What we began by faith, you must finish in faith. And all of you know I'm just going to speak to you very honest. We're in a season right now where we are stretching out. We're saying, Lord, okay, you want us to do two services, we'll do two services. Lord, you want us to look for a new building, we'll look for a new building, whatever. But when you're stepping into a new season, there are new challenges. There are new enemies you haven't faced before. Absolutely new giants. There's, there's, there's an enemy who wants to steal it before it gets big. He wants to nip some things in the bud in your life. Some of you have stepped in new areas of ministry. And I'm so grateful. I'm so happy to see it. I'm happy to see you stretch out and, and let God use you. I'm happy to see you. I'm, I'm rejoicing with you. Like Jesus rejoiced, like the disciples rejoiced when they came back and said, demons are listening. Demons have to leave when we say this in your name. 
And Jesus says, well, rejoice that your names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I'm rejoicing. We're rejoicing in each other. We're looking around and saying, isn't it great God's using you? And I want to tell you this. God is using you, and he's, he's starting something in you, but don't ever switch back into, I think I can do this. I think I got this. I think I got a good strategy. I think I got a good plan. Let me try this. Don't get back into the flesh. What you started in the spirit, finish in the spirit. What you started by faith, finish in faith. Because the moment you switch back to the flesh is when you get tired, burn out. Because what's happening is you, all the oil is gone in the engine. And you're finding out that you don't have, you don't have the, the oil to continue this. You don't have, in fact, you don't have the strength because God's taking you once again. He's taking you to a place where if not by his spirit, we die. Now, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. If we want to be a church that can survive without the Spirit of God, you can be a nice religious organization that has a charity number and, 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 and has a nice building and stands and everything like that, but God's not in it. But if you want, to, you want to be a church that God's moving in, if you want to be a body that God can use, what you're saying is if there's no Spirit, we die. So, Lord, what you started in me, finish in me. And it's about every day. Uh, Paul said it, go back to how you first received. How did you receive the Spirit? You heard by faith. How does God do miracles? Hearing by faith. How did you get saved? Hearing by faith. He says, don't let anybody ever trick you into believing that you start something by faith, but you finish it yourself. Because if it's going to stand, it's going to be all him. If it's going to pass a test, it's going to be all him. I want you to stand with me today. We're going to pray. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you that your work is good. Lord, you're doing a good work in your people. What, what you have started, you said he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you that you're faithful. So I just want us for a minute, can we just go back? You know, I know at the beginning of the year it's all about looking ahead, but really can we look backwards and just see the faithfulness of God? Can we see the faithfulness of God? I know we're so blessed today because God's brought people from different backgrounds, different places. Some of you grew up here. Some of you came from other places. Some of you have been in this church for a while. Some of you are new. We're all in this place where we're just discovering what God is calling us to. Can we just thank God for the journey? Can we just thank God for bringing us what he brought you through, what he brought you out of? Thank you, Lord. Can we thank him for bringing us out of Egypt? Can we thank him for bringing us through the Red Sea? Thank you, Lord, because if you remember what he did at the Red Sea, you'll, you'll look ahead to what he can do in the Jordan River. If you can remember what he did for you with the Egyptians, you can remember and know that he's going to take care of you with the Canaanites. If you can say he took care of me then, he'll take care of me now. Paul said this in, the, in his second letter to the Corinthians. He said, God has delivered us. He is delivering us, and he will yet deliver us. So thank you, Lord, for your delivering power. Thank you, Lord, for rescuing me. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Thank you, Lord, for putting me, uh, taking me out of a pit and putting me on a rock. Thank you for rescuing me from darkness and bringing me into light. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I want you to get back a heart of gratitude. There are some of you who are struggling with the pain of the past. It's a wound, and, and a lot of times, uh, unfortunately, if you've been born again long enough, 
your life has been so part of God's work and his family, his church, that a lot of time your wounds are tied to things of God, to family. You know, when someone comes right out of the world, a lot of times when they're looking at the things that have hurt them in the past, they go, well, thank God I'm not part of that world anymore. When you've been part of God's family long enough, sometimes the things that have hurt you happen right in the middle of family, and you, you start to question, is family broken? Am I broken? Did, what did, what's, was, where was God? What was he doing? I want you to know that God is restoring and renewing and healing cracks that have been there for so long you thought they were a part of your life. For some reason, just as we're praying, I saw a picture of the Liberty Bell in Philadelphia. It's a bell with a giant crack. And you know, that crack has come to define that bell. It's known by its crack. But one of the sad things is, is that that bell will never ring again. Well, we all know it by its crack, but it can never actually be useful again for what it was designed to be. Yeah. On that bell is a verse from the Bible. Engraved on that bell, it says, it, it, it actually comes from uh, God speaking to the Israelites, talking about, let, and, and, and telling them about the year of Jubilee, and he says, let, let freedom uh, let, let freedom go out and let, let, let the enslaved go free. And there's this voice of freedom ringing out, but that bell will never ring that message again. For some of you, you need to decide if that crack that's become your identity is worth you not ringing out with the sound God, God created you to ring. So I just saw a picture as we were praying of that bell, the crack, being healed up again. And if that's your life, God wants to heal that crack. You're going to have to let go of that thing being your identity anymore. I understand. It's, it's a lot of who you are has been shaped by it. But, but I want you to know God brought you through so he could bring you out, so he could bring you in. Your identity is not an ex-slave. Your identity is a citizen of the kingdom of God. He brought you out so he could bring you in. God didn't just bring you out so you could sit in the wilderness for the rest of your life. He brought you out so he could bring you into promise. And he's healing things. The Israelites, the first generation of Israelites, could not go into the promised land because they could not stop thinking of, as slaves. They, they never stopped thinking differently. So they said, Moses said to them, you didn't go in because you sat in your tents and said, because God hates us. He, he brought us here to die. Until you can get into your mind, God does not hate me. God is not against me. It's not God that hurt me. It's not God that damaged me. It was God that brought me through. It's God that healed me. It's God that is restoring me even right now. And what he started, he will finish. That crack may not be healed in a day. That crack may not be healed overnight. But I don't want you to resist the work of God when suddenly you start to see bit by bit he's filling it in. And what he's filling that crack with is more valuable than what that, what that bell was first made of. It's a beautiful Japanese art that came out of 
an emperor who uh, had one of his favorite, uh, I believe one of his favorite ceramics was broken. And he was, he was distraught and he had his people work on it. And they brought it back to him and they'd filled the cracks with gold and said, here, here it is. Amazingly, that thing that had become not valuable anymore because it was broken is even more valuable now because now the cracks are filled with gold. The cracks in our life aren't just back to normal again. They're even better. God fills them with his gold. God fills them with his grace. And you begin to understand, I, I could not have possibly filled those myself. Because look at them. Look where the cracks used to be. What's there now? It's just the grace of God. Look at my weakness. Look at my weaknesses. As Paul said, I'm not ashamed of my weakness. I glory in my weakness. For in my weakness, his power has been made perfect. Look at the areas I fell short and God showed up in my life. Look at the things I couldn't do and God did. Look at his grace. It's abundant. And it's sufficient. Today, God's grace is sufficient for you. So I just want us to, for a moment, can we lay, can we lay the cracks of our life before the Savior? And I want you to lay some hurts down before Jesus. Because if we're going to build, we need to start fresh again. Amen. We, we as believers, we build up so much plaque through life. And you need to just have a brushing you just need to have a cleaning. You know, you ever go to the dentist and they've become so politically correct now that they don't make you feel bad for not flossing? When I was a kid, you felt like you're the worst sinner in the world, but now you feel like you're all right. You just need to do better next time. <laughs> but you go and you feel like, I can feel my teeth again. They feel different. God, will you just renew again? There is new strength coming on you as you wait upon the Lord. You're renewing your strength. You're exchanging your strength. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The hunched over is standing up straight again. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. The Lord is your shepherd. He's leading you to quiet pastures. He's leading you to waters you can drink from. He's making you lie down. He's walking you through the valley of the shadow of death where you fear no evil for he's with you. 